this song is a prayer. It's a prayer to God to show us His face in the midst of trouble, in the midst of longing to worship Him. It's a prayer and to say the ultimate prize in prayer is to reach the Holy of Holies, to be in His presence. Show us Your face, God. We desire so humbly to know You, God. And so when Moses came to that place where he was with God, they, they had to, he had to shield his eyes or he would have died. And in the time when God did show his face, it was reward enough to be in the presence of the Lord. You see, we come to church to gain Him. And so, we look at this time to come and meet with God corporately as a body. And we say, show us your face, God. Show us your heart. As John leaned in and put his, his head on the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper, what he desired was to hear the heartbeat of God. Let us be the same type of character as John, to hear the heartbeat of God. And the very last thing he says here, I can make it to the end. I can make it through whatever if I just see your face. The ultimate. The all-knowing God. So thank you, Lord. It is good to see your faces. Good to see your faces. <clears throat> well, I pray that everybody had a great and fruitful week in the Lord. Yes? Yes? Yay. Amen. I did, so I just wanted to share that. <laughs> I wanted to share with you that fruitful time I had in the Lord. Just a, just for a few minutes here. Um, hopefully that... Uh, what the Lord showed me yesterday uh, will be beneficial to you. I believe that because he said, tell them. <laughs> so I believe it will be. 
Um, yesterday morning, I woke up and uh, went downstairs. And uh, when I wake up like that, I, I know the Lord's drawing me. So I, I went down and I just started praying. And as usual, thoughts just flood, flood my mind that have been there for years. Thoughts flood my mind. And I start praying about things I've been praying about for years. And then I really felt the Lord impress on my heart. Tom, if you would, Second Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3. We're very familiar with the phrase, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We're, we're familiar with it. We know it's there. We've heard it a lot. But I, I, for myself, haven't done a lot to do that when it's been needed. So, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And we just sang that. We just said, this is how I fight my battles. We don't use weapons that the world uses to fight battles. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Divine power. That should excite you. Divine power to demolish. Demolish. What a good word. It, it does give you this vivid uh, scene in your head. Whenever you've seen that happen on TV, when they've taken down an old building, it's been being demolished. It's blown up and it just crashes. And that's what it says. We have divine power to do. Those strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So I'm reading that. And then what I felt impressed with was, do you take captive your thoughts or do they take you captive? Have your thoughts taken you captive? Now, I want you to envision this, too, what captive is. You are imprisoned. That's what a captive is. You're imprisoned. You have no freedom. You are there. You have to do what they say, when they say, how they say, and all that stuff. You are imprisoned. And so I had to, my thoughts about certain things in my life have held me captive for years. For years. That is so contrary to what Jesus made possible for us on that cross. So, and I've been living that way. Oh my goodness, I thought, oh gosh, I've been a captive for so long. Because we don't finish that. So it's like you can't just sit there and say, okay, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to think about something else. I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to think about something else. That's not what he says to do. He says, you take them captive and make them obedient to Christ. 
So if I have thoughts that have held me captive for years about finances, I need to make them obedient to Christ or I will forever be held captive. Even if money comes, my mindset won't change. I'll always be afraid of losing it. I'll always be afraid of not spending it correctly. There will always be something that keeps me captive to it because I haven't made it obedient to Christ. So whatever that is for you, whatever that is, he's saying make it obedient to me. Line it up with what I've said about that. Not Don't go into your own understanding. Don't lean on that because we often do. We often reason things out. Well, if I do this, this is the logical thing to do. Everything will work out. I'll do this, this, this. If it is not what Christ is saying, you will find yourself once again being held captive. You'll go so far and then you get yanked right back by that chain. Every time. Every time. Keeping in mind the weapons that we have have divine power to do that. They have divine power to do that. In that song we just sang, praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving in the midst of In the midst of. He's prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. It may look like I'm surrounded. And sometimes we do feel surrounded. But we have to take that thought captive and make it obedient to what he says. You're surrounded by me. Surrounded by me. I am on your front. I am on your back. I am on your right. And I am on your left. I have given you weapons of divine power to break and bring down those strongholds. And so as the day went on, I was telling Arthur about it. And sure enough, sure, you know, that word comes. Satan's going to follow. And so it was like, okay, we were here yesterday. Let's just get out. Let's go. Let's just go to Odessa. And that first thought came, oh, we can't go. Immediately that thought came, we can't do that. We can't do that. Because that's one of those one of those strongholds, one of those thoughts. All my life I heard growing up, we don't have the money for that. We can't do that. We can't afford that. And it's been in my ear all my life. We can't do that because we can't, you know, we had seven kids. One income, seven kids. You stretched it. But it always did. It always did. And I never felt like I ever went without anything. Ever. I didn't know I was poor. (laughs) I didn't know that. I didn't know, you know, what people today would consider that. I didn't know that. We didn't have a lot, really. I thought we had, I I didn't know. But I always heard that. We can't, we can't, we can't. And that's exactly where I went yesterday. Oh, we can't do that. We can't go to Odessa. And then I stopped and said, okay, just hours ago he said, take it captive and make it obedient to me. 
Okay. You say I can. You say I can. You say I can do all things. You say you supply all my needs. You say that's making it obedient to him with the thought. And then comes the walk. I can't just think that. I actually have to live that. I have to believe it. And walking in that makes me, makes me see, and it makes you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, also believe that he, he is true to what he says. He will do what he says. His word is true. We do have divine power. We do have divine power. Because I'm so good. Because I'm so strong in the Lord. Because I know the scripture so well. That's not what he says. <laughs> he says, I've given it to you. That's the source. It's not me. I'm not the source of that divine power. I just hold it. And I'm able to use it. But he is the author of it. And he says, I'm giving it to you to bring them down. All of those thoughts, all of those strongholds, whatever it is that Satan messes with you because he does. And you know it. I know you sitting here right now are, are thinking those things. Boy, he messes with me in this. Every time he messes with me in this area. We'll start fighting your battles this way. Take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. Make them. And don't stop until you do. Make them. With the understanding that you have the divine power to do so. Thank you, Lord. Testing one, two. There we go. There we go. <clears throat> As I had said last week, that we take, take the word of God uh, that is being preached. When Paul preached, he commended uh, the people. He says, you took this word and you didn't take it as the word of men, but you took it as the word of God. And that's, that's an important thing to understand that when you receive the word, there is the Logos word in which you, know, you read, and there's the Rhema word in which 
The word is imparted unto you, and it is revealed unto you. And in that word, there is a revelation that you receive when you get that word, that you are going, God is speaking to me. For whatever mouth it comes out of, you are going, God is saying so. This was the word of God, and God was speaking his word to me. Well, when Sharon was speaking, it was not the word of a person, but if you received it, I pray that you received it as God was speaking so that I would what? Be free. It is divine. It's a divine power to set you free. It is a divine power to demolish strongholds. That's significant. This is not something that I do physically. It is something that is divine, that angels and Holy Spirit and our spirit work uh, congruently to come and deal with whatever you're dealing with to make it obedient unto Christ. And it takes all of this together divinely to do what it's supposed to be doing. And through every circumstance, through, through everything that God uh, sees us through, can you imagine from the beginning of time to the end of time, God is going to be working in our lives. It's just a matter of fact. God said... I want a people. That's going to be us. Because we gave our lives to Him. So we are a people that God says, I want to live with you. I want to interact with you. And in that, He says, I'm going to walk with you like I did with Adam and Eve, in the cool of the evening, and we're going to talk, and we're going to walk, and we're going, we're going to interact. I'm going to show you good things. I mean really good things. And I, I'm going to bring some revelation to you, and you're going to go like, wow, this is amazing stuff. Things that you've never known before. You're going to go, this is mind-blowing. Why? Because it's divine. It's heavenly. It's something that our human uh, can't comprehend or make up. It's from heaven above. It's a revelation from God. And, and I, I, I'm excited for it. I'm excited every day that, God, show me something new today. Show me something good. <clears throat> There's a song like that, isn't there? Show me something good. Anyway. <laughs> for your entertainment pleasure. <laughs> well, what does God have to show us today? In the midst of what's going on, God is always relevant. He's relevant to our situation to the situation of this nation, to the situation of our state, to the situation of our homes, to the situation of our internal lives and external lives. God is always 
relevant. And so when we preachers use things like, bring it to the altar and lay it at his feet and he will show you. Well, let's be more practical than that. God, our nation's in a mess. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, God? We can't stop the storm that's coming, but God, there are some things that, Father, I, I have concerns about. I'm concerned about aborted children. I'm concerned about things that could possibly happen. And I say possibly because I think that it takes our, and I say our, intervention in the sense of we need to be a praying people because how do we take it to the altar? What's through prayer? We need to pray. We need to be people who pray. If if you read the Old Testament, if you read the New Testament, you will always see the intervention of God happen was not because men did it. It's because God, through men, He was able to turn the hearts of kings. He was able to. He was able to show what he wanted to be done. And he still does. He is not at the mercy of Donald Trump or Joe Biden. He is not the mercy of a Congress or a Senate. He is not at the mercy of the United States of America. There are a lot of people that think, oh, because we are in trouble, God's in trouble. No! No, no, no. God is still on the throne. And because He's still on the throne, what do we have? Hope. Because our Father, listen to that, because our Father is on the throne, we have a hope that's undeniable. Learn learn that. Learn that. It would be as your earthly father who you go, oh no, we got a bad situation. You're going, don't worry about it, man. My father owns the company. He owns the company, and so therefore I know my dad's going to take care of us. Don't be concerned. But it looks like it's going in a bad way. Our Father, the one who we have relationship with, is still in control. So, rest. When he talks about being at rest in God, those scriptures are true before the election and they are true after the election. They didn't suddenly stop. They are still true all the way through. And so you may, you may have relatives, you may have people, you may have people that, uh, that you talk to that have all kinds of concerns. 
you need to have the voice that is from above. And that voice is the voice of wisdom that comes from above. And so, I said, well, so God, what, what, is it, what is it that you want me to say this week? And he says, tell them to have hope. Tell them to have hope in something other than what they see. You see, if you make judgments by the seeing of the eye, you're always going to look at the bad part. Seeing by the eye shows you what's always wrong. We, as our human nature tendent, has tendencies to always look at the bad Oh, I am not beautiful enough. I'm not... Even, even the most glamorous person looks at, it, at their flaws. You know, uh, I was reading one time about uh, these models that were saying, I have bad knees. They never take pictures of my knees. Really? That's what you're worried about? <laughs> you're worried about your knees? <clears throat> the reality is everybody has bad parts. Or what the society considers himself. Don't do that. You're like, I don't have any bad parts. <laughs> so the reality is how do you compare yourself? We have to look through the eyes of Jesus. We have to look through the eyes of God. Because when we look through the eyes of Jesus, He sees perfection. Why does He see perfection? Now, you live with you, right? And so I see everything that's messed up in me. I see every time I sin, I see everything time that I have a bad attitude, every time I say a bad thing, every time I live with me, I know it, that I've done something bad. And so I can get down on myself quickly. And so all of a sudden, <clears throat> what happens is, I become that. And so therefore, what happens? I judge myself according to that. But if I now look at who I am in Christ, I'm perfect. How am I perfect? By what God has done for me in my life. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go that way. And then when you get to that long hallway, turn right. Okay? The definition of hope is to trust. As a verb, it's to expect with confidence. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 through 20. Hebrews chapter 6, 11 through 20. 
And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. We desire that all of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. He's going, you should know what the hope is already. And you should already be showing that diligence toward that hope. So you already know what the hope is, who you are, and what is expected of you. So show full diligence toward that end. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Be followers of those who have already gone there and have patience to inherit the promises. Here's a huge problem. My expectation of a four-year-old to act like a 21-year-old. That is a huge problem. And we do that in the spirit. We have someone who says they've just become a Christian. Well, they should know better. They should be doing this and this and this and this. And you're going, they just became a Christian. How do they know to do this and this and this and this? Lest they be taught. That is discipleship. That is teaching them to be the Christian that they should be. That is the job of the church. That is the job that God says He will do. The work that I started, I will complete. So what does Satan do? Well, Satan shows you everything that you're not. We just had a conversation. A little book by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. In that book, man, it, it shows the strategy of the devil to try to get you to say, you're no good, you, you've messed up, and to be able to say, look, just to discourage you. And the way he does that is by saying, you're not this, you're not that, you're not this, you're not that. And so therefore... What do we judge ourselves to be? Well, God says, have your hope in what you're going to be. And work and be diligent about getting there. What is your hope in God? Then look. Look to what the Word says. Look to what God says. Look to what is your goal. I've never even thought about that. Have you? Now, I'm talking as if I were you. Think about what does God want as a mature Christian? How should they act? Well, think about that. Should a junior high kid be expected to to uh, play football like a pro? No. He doesn't have the skill nor the ability. But 
he does see what he can attain to. Maybe. If he works hard. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessings I will bless thee, and multiply I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. It was an end to the strife because he swore to be what he wanted to be. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutably of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. We have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. What does that mean? Oh my God, big words, mutable, mutable. What does all that mean? He's saying, I have to tell you, there are two things I can't keep quiet. The things that I can't keep quiet is number one, God cannot lie. God is not a liar. He's going to tell you the truth. That's immutable. It's fact. It's yell out loud on the mountaintop. God cannot lie. And the other thing that has to be said, the thing that has to be said on the mountaintop, is we have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that was set before us. We have to lay upon that hope of Jesus Christ and what He has for us that's been laid up for us. That is the Gospel. That is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the hope of glory. That is the hope that He has waiting for us. It is too God cannot lie. And number two, it is the glory. It is the hope that we have in Him. Two things that He has for us. Yell it. Say it. All the time. To everybody you see. Everybody you know. It is the hope. Set before us. We fled for refuge to lay a hold upon the hope Set before us. What is the hope that was set before us? Our salvation. It is that we are saved. It is that heaven comes to earth through the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That is an immutable position that we have. Which hope we have an anchor of the soul. While everybody is is running around scared, while everybody is going, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Oh my gosh. Ah! What does it say is the anchor to our soul? It's hope. 
It's calm down. It never works telling somebody to calm down. (laughs) It just doesn't. But the Word of God does. Tell them, Jesus Christ is the anchor. He, He is our hope to our future. He is the one that holds our future. And so we must hold on to Him. We can't heal ourselves. We need the blood of Christ. We can't save ourselves. We need the blood of Christ. We we can't take ourselves out of the situation we're at and put us into another situation. Only the blood of Christ can only be done through our hope in Christ. Again, hope is not, oh, I just wish, I just, and close your, your eyes real tight. Oh, I just wish. Hope is actually faith in Him. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entering into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is with us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, (laughs) we get real complicated here, but I'm not going to do that today. I may do that next week. But we're not going to do that today. Because there's some stuff that, that, that has a lot of meaning after the order of Melchizedek. Because what he's saying that is volumes. If, if you know a little history. And so he's saying whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made a high high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus, if you had a picture of the temple, uh, the temple, there was the outer court, there was the inner court, and then there was a place of the Holy of Holies. And only the priests could go into the place of the Holy of Holies. And there was this huge veil, this huge veil that only the priest could go in. And if they weren't clean, if they, they would die. They had to put a little rope on his ankle with bells on it to make sure that you know, he was still walking around in there so they could hear him. And if, he, if they, the bells stopped ringing, they'd drag him out because he died. <laughs> he wasn't worthy to be in the Holy of Holies. And he said, Jesus went into that place. Jesus went inside the veil. Jesus was the one. He was our hope. He was our hope. And He is still our future. He is the one. He is 
So we no longer, no longer have to be worried because we rest, what? In God. Well, how do we get, how do we get hope? Well, it's through faith. It's through believing God. Why are people scared? Because they don't believe God. Because they don't know God. They don't know the Scriptures. They go, well, they must, be, they must not be Christians. I know a lot of Christians that are scared. I know a lot of Christians that are like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do, Arthur? I'm going to believe in God. What are you going to do? So I send them scriptures. I send them, I send them the word of God. I can't do anything, but God can. You have to rely on the foundation of the word. Let God be your source. Let God do what he says he's going to do. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, starting with verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Have you ever hoped for something? Some of you in here may not. Remember green stamps. You remember green stamps, don't you? Yeah. You would go to the store and and you would buy a certain uh, certain amount of groceries and they'd give you a certain amount of green stamps. And you had this book and you'd, you'd put them in that book and then you would take it down. We had to go to Odessa. And they had these stores, and you could redeem these green stamps and get you, I got toys, get toys. Or you could get blenders or get whatever, but those what green stamps were. And so this green stamp book was just, a hope, it also had catalogs, so you could see what you could get for however many books you did. You had to have a lot of books. <laughs> but, but they were the hope that you could get that because you had that many books. It's still the same thing with faith. He's telling you, get your faith on, and you're going to have peace. Get your green stamps on. Go down there and get your bike. 
You don't have any transportation? Get your faith on. Get your car. Get your faith on. Know that God has something available to you. Get your faith on. God has what you need in everything of your life. If you're worried, if if you need peace, God has what you need every time, all the time. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Recognize this. Recognize this. There were 12 spies that went into the land of Canaan. And in those 12 spies, 10 spies came back with a bad report. There's giants in the land. Big, huge, hairy giants. And they will kill us. And we are no match to the giants that are in that land. But two came back with a good report. We can take them. We got this. God's on our side. We can beat, up, we can beat anybody. They, they got grapes so big that it would take two people to carry this grape. This great cluster between us. That's how big they were in the promised land. And the elders looked at them and said, by faith they received the good report. What do you receive when you hear the report? talking to a man right now his wife they're having a baby and his wife continues to hear the bad report he continues to hear the good report and they struggle every time they go to the doctor the conversation that 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 they have after the doctor visit is always him trying to shore up his wife with faith. Our God is still able. He's still on the throne. He will get us through this. God will do what He says He will do. I believe Him. And He has to shore up His wife for the good thing. He receives the good report. What do you receive when you hear the report? It's up to you. It really is. When you hear the report, what report do you receive? Do you, repeat, do you receive the good report or do you receive the bad report? Oh, man, you're right. It's gloom and doom and it's bad. Or our God is able.
our God is able to move past this. Joseph asked me this morning, I'm not going to finish this, just let you know. <laughs> Joseph asked me, he said, you seem heavy-hearted. I said, I kind of am. I'm, I am heavy-hearted. And he said, well, I said, I'm heavy-hearted because sheep tend to be skittish. They, they, they get up on their feet, and, and what happens when sheep are skittish is they tend to run without any purpose, and they, they hurt themselves. And the Bible tells us you should lay the sheep down. You should tell them, Look, rest. Rest easy. The shepherd, I'm talking about the true shepherd. The shepherd is here. He still lives. He's still on the throne. His rod and his staff are still at work. And that's my heart. And oh, how I want to communicate that. And I may take on too much because... It's up to him, really. I mean, I'm just, I'm just a voice. But it's he that brings it to pass. You know, I may pray for healing for somebody, and I may want to, I want it to happen so badly, but I don't do the healing. <laughs> oh, God, please heal them. But he does the healing. I'm just a conduit to get healing from heaven to earth and let him do whatever he wants to do. But I'm asking God, lay the sheep down. Bring your truth. Bring your goodness. Bring your mercy. Bring your comfort at this time. And Father, Save as many babies as you can. Because, Lord, they need saving. You know, um, I so believe that we have a mission to do uh, in this earth, and we need to do that mission. And and that is to uh, love the Lord thy God with all, the, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And number two is love your neighbor as yourself. And so if, if we do that, you know, let God do the rest. And uh, so in there, there are details that, God's going to work out with you individually. But God does have a heart for his people. And I believe this. God will take care of his own in all of this, no matter what. So, if you love somebody, go get them saved so that they'll be taken care of too by your father. Amen.
a lot of a lot of good stuff. A lot, I mean, a lot of ground this morning. I just have a few things. Just to, and also thank you, Sharon, for what you brought. Very very good. Very rich stuff today. Uh, when you're uh, in the early, uh, when Arthur first said something about rest, you know, find the rest of God and kind of like commanding rest. Well, uh, at A&M, you know, uh, if you want a crowd to settle down, you say rest, ags. So I'm, I'm going to say rest, Christians. You know, and and uh, also uh, the scripture uh, Hebrews six twelve about be imitators. Got this picture, like. I know this guy that knows the perfect fishing hole, you know, perfect place to go fishing. Or I know somebody that knows this beautiful, relaxing place to go on vacation. But I'm going to choose to go look for my own instead of just follow him when he goes. You know, the guy that has the fishing hole, follow him. Throw your anchor out right by him if he lets you. So fishermen are pretty pretty rough people. I mean, they don't want you to do that. But you get my you get my my thought here. If you know somebody that knows how to rest in God, do what they do. Be an imitator. Don't try to make up your own way. I'm bad at that. I'm really bad about doing that. I don't care how somebody else does it. I'm smart enough to figure out how to do this myself. That's me. I mean, that's my nature. The nature that God keeps trying to change, and he has changed it some over the years. But I'm telling you, it's a constant thing. Oh, well, how about if I just do it because I know how Arthur knows how to repent when he hears the truth and it's in opposition to his belief that he had relied on. I've seen it happen. As soon as he hears it and realizes I'm wrong, he repents. He doesn't argue. It makes me mad when I'm on the other side of the discussion because I want him to argue. Nope, he just... Lays it down. Good. We're good. Okay, if you want to know how to repent, watch somebody like that and imitate that. <laughs> somebody knows where a really good vacation spot is? Follow them there. Go rest with them. There, as Paul said, as I follow Christ, follow me. It's not just Paul. It's anyone you see with faith. That you strive for. Okay? That's the reason there's there's babies to mature in the church for us to have those examples to watch. Thank God. And I just want to close about SNH green stamps. You know, you're talking about, we still have the same stuff going on. It's just, you know, when you check out at Market Street, are you a member of our rewards program? That's the, whole, that's the same thing, right? Without the stamps. Okay? But one of the coolest things about the stamps were the big ones that covered more than one little stamp. I mean, it's like a cover to sections. Oh, I like that one. It covers more of the page, right? You had to fill up every page. You know, it didn't leave anything blank. Christ is the stamp. The stamp of Christ on us is fully sufficient. Done. We are inheritors then. Of all that he has. One stamp. <laughs> Don't have to keep filling a book. Thank God. Just have to keep turning to the book. Letting God speak to us. Train us up. Teach us. Anyway. That's my part. It's always good to assemble with you guys. Uh, 
I think the new Facebook uh, streaming thing worked. It seemed to be okay. I hope that was all right for you guys out there. Please comment back so I know if it's all right for y'all, if you prefer that or the webcam. Uh, it's not really a democracy, but I'd like to hear your feedback. <laughs> Just letting you know. Just letting you know. <laughs> uh, pray for... Uh, the events coming on Wednesday, uh, just uh, trust God, pray to him, trust God. <laughs> All right, anything else before we go? Yes, ma'am. Ecclesia. In the New Testament where uh, Jesus was talking to Peter and he says, uh, on this rock I will build my church, that word church is ecclesia. It's the assembly of God's people. That's it. And here we are assembling as God's people. Thank you for being here. Love assembling. Y'all have a great week.